Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 9, verses 6 through 15. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. O oh God, tell us what we need to hear and show us what we ought to do to obey Jesus Christ. Amen. 2 Corinthians verse 6. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as many of you know, our church wants to respond in a very deliberate way to the call of what it means to be a disciple. And yes, during the fall, you will hear us talk about the stewardship of giving, but it's not just because we need money, but it's because it's part of that bigger story of what it means to be Christians who are responding to God's call. The theme that we've been promoting during this season is one that you see on the screen, open hands and open hearts. And it's a beautiful theme, that when we're open to the Lord, anything is possible in terms of what God can do in us and through us. It was the great reformer Martin Luther who once said that there are three conversions necessary, and he talked about the conversion of the, of the heart. And in some ways, that image is all about that, the conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. 
And Martin Luther said that of the three, the heart, the mind, and the purse, he said that maybe the purse and the conversion of the purse will be the most difficult for us as we seek to be faithful followers of Jesus. I heard the story about a pastor and his congregation. They were in the midst of a, a capital con campaign. They wanted to fund the construction of an additional facility to expand their ministry. And one morning, the pastor stood up before the congregation and he said to the congregation, I have some good news for you and I have some bad news for you. He said, the good news is, people were just kind of waiting to hear what the good news is. He said, the good news is that all the money we need to complete this pro project, we have it. He said, the bad news is, it is still in your, in your wallets. When Andrew Root was with us last weekend, and what, a, what an amazing job he did, for those of you who participate in person or online, he talked about certain topics that, in general, not just people in the church, but in general, people tend to avoid when they're at a dinner party or they're in a public uh, space. He said one of the topics that people tend to sort of shy away from is the, is the business of politics. Nobody really wants to bring up the issue of politics, particularly in our time. It can be a pretty, it is a pretty diversive and divisive topic. Uh, the other topic that people tend to avoid then is religion. Uh, nobody wants to be seen as a fundamentalist or a pushy person, so we kind of keep religion in our hearts. And then he said the other issue that we keep private has to do with issues of money. Nobody wants to walk around saying, here's how much I earn. Here's what's going on with my money. And I can understand the difficulty with that latter point. I remember as a young pastor how difficult it was for me. I sometimes wish I could send a, a notice to the church during those times when we were inviting people to give and just to let them know I can't be at church during those Sundays. I was uh, newly ordained. I was in my late 20s and I remember struggling to stand before the congregation and speak to them about giving and about money. And when I sat down one day and wrote out my thoughts, I said, why is this causing me so much anxiety? It's because of the very topic, that I, very thing that I just said when we talk about money. I sometimes feel, number one, as a pastor, it might be self-serving. And number two, it may come across to the church as if I'm manipulating them. And so it was very difficult for me. But then over the years, as I continued to read and lean into the words of Jesus and what Jesus said about money, I began to discover how, how integral, how integral it is to faith formation that we think about what we do with the money that God placed in our hand. In fact, I see that how we handle money is a barometer of our spiritual lives and our discipleship. So when I was about 16 years old, my mother, and I think it's because when I was 16 years old, during the summer months, I was just all over the place, running and doing everything, and my mom wanted me to make sure that I was doing something constructive with my time. So she called her cousin, who at that time was the postmaster of the huge post office that is still in downtown Kingston, Jamaica. And she asked him, is it possible 
you could get this rambunctious boy a summer job. And he did. And my first paying job was to climb up in the back of a truck along with some other people and pull these big bags filled with mail from overseas and all over the island of Jamaica and to pull those out of the truck and take them to this large area where the, the, the real postal people would take those bags and take out the mail and sort it and make sure it gets to the right place. But our job was just to get it off the truck. And it was a grungy kind of job. It was a dusty kind of job. But each Friday, I received a check with my name on it. And looking back, it wasn't a lot of money, but for a 16-year-old, it was big bucks. It was huge. And I remember going home with my first check, and my mother sat me down, and she gave me some principles on managing money that to this day, in her simple way, to this day, it still shapes how I handle any money that God puts in my hand. And I've even passed them on to my children. First, she asked me a question that I thought was so odd. So here's a check. It's on the table. She asked me this question. So she said, Reynard, and you know, that's, that's the name, my Jamaican name, Reynard, how much do you plan to give to God. Now, that was just a new thing to me, and she went on and explained to me. She wanted me to understand that all of life is a gift from God. And she told me, and I never forgot it, and I still do it. Give 10%, she said. And it was easy math, what I earned and what I gave. Now, I'm not suggesting that that's an equal law for all of you. Some people do that, others don't. And there is credible uh, teachings within Scripture that would suggest, even just reading Paul's words that we heard this morning. But that's what, I, that's what she encouraged me to do. And interestingly, when she talked with me about that, as I reflect on that story, she didn't say, how much are you giving to the church? She said, how much are you giving to God? And by giving through the church, I was being faithful to the Lord. The second thing she did, she and I went to the bank, and she co-signed with me that I op was able to open a savings account. And uh, she wanted me then to give a, a percentage to the Lord. She wanted me to save a percentage. And then she said, the rest of the money is yours. And if I had more time, I would tell you what I would do with the rest of that money. But you know, on September 1 of this year, my mother celebrated her 95th birthday and she's still going strong. Many years ago, she asked me to be her power of attorney. And she gave me access to her finances that I just never would have had. And I looked at all her old checkbooks and I looked at her many bank accounts. And I noticed on some of the line items in her checkbook that it was obvious that she was living by the same credo that she was asking me to live by. And I would say today, now that I've have this better understanding of what my mother has done and is doing with her money, I would have to say that I believe my mother has the gift of giving. She has the gift of giving. The number of kids beyond her five kids that she helped to complete their education is just staggering. And then the other thing I found out was she kept a, an entirely separate account that she called it her giving away account. 
She just put money in there. And whenever somebody came to her, it was easy for her to help based on what she could give because she had an account that she was giving money away to those in need. My mother was not rich. She worked as a pharmacist for about three decades, three or four decades at the Kingston Public Hospital. She was a pharmacist, but also on the side to help with my father, providing for five growing children. She opened and managed a small drugstore that filled prescriptions. We sold ice cream, we sold light desserts, sodas, and other small knickknacks that people wanted to buy. So she's at work, and it's my grandmother who's running the store. And her drugstore was open Monday through Saturday. It was never, ever opened on Sundays, but it might as well have been open because without fail, on a Sunday afternoon, you would hear someone knocking at the gate. And the way the business was set up, we lived literally next to the store. And you could hear people knocking on the doors on a Sunday, and they would say, excuse me, Mrs. Hilton, but can you help me? I have this prescription. Or they will say, I don't have enough money. Never that I've ever seen this happen, that my mom would turn them away and say, come back on Monday. She would fill that prescription, and if they didn't have the money, she would say, pay me later. I don't know how she did it, but that's how she lived her life. And even as I got older, she and I got, I got into a huge, huge argument several years ago over this issue of being too liberal. Almost, I would tell her, people are taking advantage of you. But that's just how she was wired to this day. When I think about my mother's stewardship practices, I see a lot of what she did in our reading today. We could sum up chapters 9 and 10, 8, 9, and 10 as Paul's appeal to the church in Corinth to follow through on the financial pledge that they said they would give to support the struggling churches in Jerusalem and greater Judea. Jerusalem and the surrounding regions were still recovering from a devastating drought. The economy was in a state of upheaval. People were starving. And so Paul sent out an appeal to a lot of the churches that he planted, asking them to, to support, support your fellow believers in Jerusalem and Judea. And like we do in the church, the Christians in Corinth and the Christians in other churches wrote back to Paul and said, yes, we will make a pledge. We promise that we are going to give. Now, with the church in Corinth, and I think it's because of the conflict, and I think it's because of all the distractions that were going on, they never fulfilled their pledge. And a year later, Paul comes back to them in chapters 8, 9, and 10, and he reminds them, he encourages them, hey guys, remember you, you, you made a pledge, you promised, I just want to encourage you to give. And what we have in this section of reading that we just heard this morning are some of the most helpful guidelines. If you want to grow your heart you want to open your hands and open your hearts, what we just heard this morning is pretty good stuff. And let me just quickly run through this with you. If you're going to give, Paul says, give generously. And notice the analogy that he uses. It's a farming analogy. He says, the point, of, the point is this. The one who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. The one who puts a lot of seeds in the ground, sows bountifully, 
will reap bountifully. So if you're going to give, give generously. Second thing he says here, and, and this is something my mom lived by, give freely. Don't give because you're being guilted. Don't give because you're being manipulated or, or, or being told a pack of lies. Because if you give out of those kinds of emotions, that's not going to be honoring to the Lord. Give generously, give freely, give joyfully. Paul says in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 7, each of you must give as you've made up your mind. Isn't that a great thing? There's freedom here. As you've made up your mind, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. Give with great joy. And here's the reason why, and this is the fourth reason, if you're going to give, give because you know God is your source. And I love verses 8 and 10, where Paul says of God that God is able. God is able to provide for you. God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance. And it's, a, it's just an amazing thing to think about, that we're being called upon to give, and we're giving what was given to us. God provides, and out of that provision, you are able to give. And, and he says, God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. That's the idea behind open hands and open hearts. Because you know, if you, if you keep everything like this, you, you leave no room for God to put something in your hand. If you open your hand and you open your heart, God will pour into you so that you can pour into others. And then in a similar way, he says in verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In verse 9, Paul quotes Psalm 112, and he said that the righteous person scatters, liberally scatters his seed abroad and gives to the poor. And verse 9 is a description of, you think of the, the trailer, like a movie trailer of people throughout time who have lived into verse 9. They just kind of scatter it liberally and they give to the poor. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says that the earth is the Lord. It belongs to the Lord. And everything in the world belongs to the Lord. And that's why we give. If you're going to give, give out of that spirit. Give to the glory of God. Verse 13, through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. And that's another reason. That's a great reason to give. It's to give because God is glorified through our giving. And when we give, we enable the spreading of the gospel. When we give, we bear witness to the world. We bear witness to the powers of darkness that Jesus is our Lord. Mammon, the material, is not our Lord. And then Paul ends his wonderful little exhortation by giving this very pithy statement at, in verse 15. He says, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift and you say what is that inexpressible gift and if you go back to chapter 8 and verse 9 Paul describes what the inexpressible gift is he says Jesus 
who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus, though he was rich, became poor so that we through his poverty might become rich. And so I love the way he ends his little message because it's a call for us to contemplate as we think about giving to God's work, to contemplate the self-giving of Jesus. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And just thinking about what God gave us inspires us to give our time. And so many of you, you give so much of your time and service to this church, and I'm telling you, God has seen your giving. Many of you not only give your time, but you give your talents, your gifts, your abilities. And I think of the, the myriad of ways so many of you, even this morning, you think of the choir, you think of the praise band, you think of our ushers and our greeters, you think of all the people in a moment who are going to be elected to serve as trustees and elders and deacons. I mean, all these folks are saying, Lord, I'm yours, and I'm giving off my time, and I'm giving off my gifts, and I'm giving off my resources because of what you did for me. And so that's where we are this morning. And I'm depending on every person here. If you call First Pres your spiritual home, I'm depending on every one of you to think about what you would like to give. Now, we have pledge cards, and we mailed them out, but as you know, this has been an interesting season in the last year and a half where what you put in the mail doesn't arrive as, as punctually as it used to be. So just in case you don't get that letter in the mail, we have pledge cards at the back of the sanctuary. We have pledge cards at the front at the front desk, and we just want to encourage you to pick one up. That's the first step. Pick it up, take it home, and just spend some time considering. If I were to give, what would I, like to, what would I give in service to the Lord? And if all of us do our part in whatever capacity you can do your part, I'm telling you, it will make a difference as to what we can accomplish in year 2022. Thank you for being a faithful church. You know, my mother, there's a song that she often would sing. She's not a good singer, but even as she would sing it, the tears would come in her eyes. And she was just taken with the, the, the beauty and the, and, the, and the power of this song. She said, the song goes something like this, when I think of the goodness of Jesus... Now, this is, this is Romans, this is 2 Corinthians 9, 15, this inexpress, inexpressible gift. She said, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and what is done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. And over the years, as I've gotten to know my mother and sort of the, the inner workings of her financial life, I think this is what drives how she has handled every dime that has ever come through her hand. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and what he's done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. And that's the spirit in which we want to give this morning. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God's people say, amen. Would you, would you say a prayer with me? Lord, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness. You've never failed us yet. 
and you won't stop now. We pray that you would increase faith within our hearts, Lord, to believe that you are our source, to believe that we can give abundantly, to believe that we can give generously, to believe that we can give with joy and to the glory of God. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen.